Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. We don't often get to have the 4th of July right on a Sunday. And I really wanted to talk about this and talk about what it means for us as Lutheran Christians. You know, we have done some traveling out of the United States, and I remember going to some countries where I absolutely felt, even though I was an outsider, oppressed. We'd ask a question of one of the people of that country, and they'd say, oh, we can't talk about that now. And after living outside the United States for a short while, it's always wonderful to come back. I know we have a lot of problems. I'm not naive. But I also believe that we have some wonderful freedoms in our country, and I praise God for that. But as I told the children today, freedom is not free. How many veterans do we have here today? Can you... Let me ask you just to stand up. Stand up for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know it's not Veterans Day, but I, I like to, to recognize our veterans, the men and women, because they know that freedom costs, right? You've seen it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. God said in the Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God tells us here there's a cost. Praying, seeking, and turning from our wicked ways is what brings freedom. Throughout the history of our country, we have found that freedom costs. Do you know how many Americans have died since the beginning of our country in war? Somewhere around 1.2 million deaths in war times. Do you know what happened to those 56 men who signed the original Declaration of Independence? They were wealthy. They were influential. But of those 56, five of them were captured by the British as traitors and tortured and put to death. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons in the Revolutionary War. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought in the war themselves and died from their wounds. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, had a, a, a fleet load of ships that were destroyed. But being an honorable man, he sold his house and all of his holdings to pay his debts. He died in rags. Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British, he was forced to move his family almost constantly. 
He served in Congress without pay. His family he kept in hiding. He died in poverty. Vandals and looters took over seven other properties. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson saw that the British general Cornwallis had taken over his home. And what did he do? He went to President, well, not President, General George Washington and told him to bomb his own home. He lost everything. Francis Lewis had his home destroyed. His wife was jailed by the British and she died in jail. This is always hard. John Hart was driven from his wife's deathbed. Their 13 children fled from their home. His fields and his gristmill was laid waste. He lived in forests and caves. He returned home one year later. His wife was dead. He didn't know where his children were. And he died a few months later. These men were not just playing at making a new nation. They were willing to pledge everything because they understood that freedom comes at a cost. But freedom also requires not only a cost, but an obligation. St. Paul said it this way, everyone must submit themselves to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. As Lutheran Christians, we have a rich heritage of supporting the government and the founding of this country. We had many leadership roles in the revolutionary government. Want to try a quiz? You're supposed to say, yes, Pastor. Okay. Whoa, I haven't been gone that long, have I? Come on. Who was the first person to ring the Liberty Bell? A Lutheran sexton. Oh, I know, you're saying, what's a sexton? Who, who is the new property manager for Fishers of Men? You don't know? Ed! Ed, okay. It, it would have been your position that rang the Liberty Bell the first time. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. No, that I'm glad you said that, Ed, because that guy did not crack the Liberty Bell. <laughs> Wasn't a Lutheran who did that. <laughs> who was the first speaker of the House of Representatives? Reverend Frederick Muhlenberg, a Lutheran pastor. Fourteen men served as President of the United States before George Washington. I know, everybody always looks at me like, what? 
Well, before they had the Constitution we had today, because of the Revolution, they were, had a Revolutionary Committee, okay? But each of those men served, and they called them the President of the United States. One of them was a Lutheran pastor, John Hanson. Okay? Who made the United States flag? I always learned in school, Betsy Ross, right? That George Washington went to Betsy Ross and asked her to make the stars and stripes. Right? We don't know if that's true or not. There's some historians that debate this. What we do know is that each of the regiments had their own flag that they flew. And John Paul Jones, give me liberty or give me death, went to Sarah Austin and the Ladies' Aid Society of Gloria Lutheran Church in Philadelphia and asked him to create the flag that was very similar to Betsy Ross' flag to fly over his regiment. And it was called the Stars and Stripes. Isn't that interesting? What happened to the Liberty Bell when the British were attacking Philadelphia? Frederick Lister, under the cover of night, hid the bell in a wagon and took it to Allentown, Pennsylvania, to Zion Lutheran Church, who hid it underneath the sanctuary. We had generals, we had commanders in the war who were Lutheran pastors. Can you imagine a pastor running for president of the United States today? Would it go? Now, I didn't say these things to boast about being Lutheran. There were many other people who served very faithfully. But I want you to see that freedom requires obligation. And our church has had a major role in that, and I want that to kind of spur us to be able to have a role in our country. 1 Timothy said, I urge, for, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority. But there's a whole second part to this. As great and blessed as we are to live in this country, there's something greater. We have freedom in Christ. In our gospel lesson for today, the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. So they ask him, who should we, should we pay taxes to this government that we hate? Because the, the Israelis hated the Roman occupation of their land. Now, if Jesus answered, yeah, go ahead and pay your taxes, who would be angry at him? All the people. If he says, don't pay the taxes, he could be arrested by the Roman authorities. But he takes that coin and he looks at it and he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God. You see, we give not only to our country, but we also give to our God who gives us that ultimate freedom. You know, you can live in this free country and still not be fully free. 
Because full freedom only comes from knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. And we have that because of the cost of Jesus. He was willing to give up all the glories of heaven, to be born into this world, to give his very lifeblood as a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary so we could have full and unconditional freedom. Is there anyone here who doesn't like chocolate? Oh, I don't see a hand going up. I expected maybe one. A couple of churches ago, I had a, a shut-in. And I visited her for many years, and every time I would go to her house, at the end of my visit, she would make me, and I couldn't get out of that house, but she would make me go to the refrigerator, and she had boxes and boxes and boxes of chocolate. She might have a few groceries, but it was just packed with chocolate. And she'd say, Pastor Bauer, you have to have a chocolate. So I take a chocolate. That wasn't good enough. If I didn't take at least two, I couldn't get out of that house. So I had a couple of chocolates. And I often wondered why Sue, that was her name, she's now sainted, gone to heaven. Sue never had any chocolate with me. So right before I left that congregation, I said, Sue, I'm kind of curious. You know, you always make me have the chocolate, but you never take a bite. Why is that? And she looked at me and she said, Pastor, it's because my father was a barbarian. And I said, what, Sue? She said, when I was a child, it was my responsibility in the family to collect the eggs and take them into the grocer to be sold. And we would get credit for that for things we wanted to buy. She said, one day I took the, the eggs into the grocer, and there was this glass cabinet in the front with all the chocolates behind it, and someone had dropped something and created a hole in the glass. And when the grocer took the eggs back to mark them in our book, I reached in there and took a chocolate. And just as soon as I got that chocolate in my hand, the grocer came back and I tucked it behind my back. And he said, what do you have? And she said, uh, uh, uh. And finally she showed him in her hand the melted chocolate. And he took it from her hand and cleaned off her hand. And she begged him not to tell her father. That night her father went in to get some tobacco. And the grocer told what she had done. And the father came home and ran after Sue with a butcher knife. And she had to hide all night in the chicken coop. And she said, as I was in that chicken coop, hiding from my father, I swore that I would never be without chocolate again. She said, my very first per paycheck, I bought a box of chocolate. I said, but Sue, you never eat it. She said, well, if I eat it, I might not have any more. I said, Sue, have you ever had chocolate? 
And she said, no, I have never had a piece of chocolate. You know, there's people in our world who don't know the freedom that they can have under Christ Jesus. This wonderful gift that God wants to give to us, and they don't accept it. They never have it. You and I are very blessed to know that freedom, not only in our country, but in our lives because of what Christ Jesus has done for each of us. That is something so precious we need to share with this world around us. And what does this freedom give us? Full freedom in Christ from our sin. St. Paul said it this way, For we have been united with Him in a death like His. We shall also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. When were we united with Christ in His death and resurrection? In our holy baptisms. One of the things I love about Fishers of Men is that baptismal font is right in the middle of our church to remind us that as we come into church, we come in through holy baptism. We have been in that waters of baptism, crucified with Christ to live a new life, starting now, not just when we die. He goes on, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we confess our sins, as we repent of our sins, we have that burden lifted off our shoulders and we are free to live rich, full lives, joy-filled lives, now and into eternity. We also have freedom from death. The Scripture says, the wages of sin is death. Why don't you say this with me? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gift you have because of the freedom Christ has won for you. You see, death for the believer is no longer evil. It's a gift given to us joyfully by Christ. And that gift cannot be taken away from us. Peter said, Christ has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. Neither life nor death can separate us from Christ. Only we can reject Him. And we need to live our every day like that. And finally, we have full freedom from evil. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ did on our behalf. And Galatians says, again, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loves me and gave himself up for me. But with that freedom in Christ also comes obligation. We have an obligation. Very clear in this passage from Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What then? Stand firm. Do not let your sins be a burden again by that yoke of slavery. We have an obligation to not only praise God for this country, but to praise God for our faith. Psalm 33, one of my favorites, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is up fitting and upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him with the strained lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Sing to Him a new song. Live your life joyfully. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Another obligation we have because of the freedom won from Christ is to pray. Pray for the people in office, pray for our country, pray for other nations. You know, when I first got into the ministry, one Sunday morning I had a prayer for the President of the United States. I don't remember who it was. But I remember this guy came out and, oh, he was furious at me. He said, how could you pray for that? No good. I'm not going to tell you what else he said. You can fill it in. And I looked at him and I said, don't you think he needs our prayers? And he said, he really needs our prayers, but he doesn't deserve them. We can't think like that. That's not godly. God says we should be praying, even for those people we don't like. Look at what it says in Matthew. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I'd like to conclude this sermon with Psalm 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people He has chosen for His own. So as you leave today and you go to celebrate the 4th of July, I hope and pray that you will thank God for all the freedoms we enjoy, but mostly for the freedom that Christ has won for us to give us rich, full lives. Because no matter what happens in this life, we have that faith that we can hold on to. Amen? Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.